Good morning and welcome to Four Points Online. We are so excited that you have chosen to worship with us today. We wanted to let you know about the Four Points Hub if you haven't heard about that yet. Guys, this is the best way to stay connected with Four Points straight from your mobile device. All you need to do is go to fourpoints.org hub and there you will see several tabs you can click on depending on your needs. If you have an amazing story of what God has done in your life, click on share your story and let us know how God has moved. You can watch Pastor Mark's latest message and you can also get an update of everything that's currently going on in the ministry of Four Points with convenient links to each event. We also have a safe and secure way for you to tithe and give. By clicking on the giving tab, you can give a one-time gift or set up a recurring gift in the amount you choose. Everyone has a next step to take and you can take yours through the hub. If you have prayed to receive Jesus, you can click that option to let us know and we will help you as you move forward in your walk with Christ. We hope you've heard about our virtual community groups, but if you haven't joined one yet, you can do that through the hub now too. Finally, if there's anything you need to let us know, like a change in your contact information or a prayer request, you can give us that information directly through the hub. If there is anything you need to know about Four Points, you can find it here in the hub. Now, you guys stay tuned for Pastor Mark's message. We want personal space distancing, but we need, I don't know why that's so hard for me to say, but we want, we want close social touch. It's important to have connections. And so today we're going to talk about parental distancing and the fact that we don't need that. So I need y'all to lean in. I know some of y'all aren't parents, but that's not the important part of this message, whether or not you're a parent. The important part is if you're alive, you've had to deal with this. Even if you don't have parents, but you were fostered as a kid, it's important to know as you go forward how you deal with this. And so I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about this. And Here's the truth before I really jump in. The fact of the matter is, as I look at society today, what I see is that for a long time we wanted schools or churches or something else to fix the problem that we should not fix. Right? The problem is, do I have it on? Okay. The problem is, like, for the longest time, we, we've, we've gotten mad as parents trying to get teachers to fix our kids. Are you with me? Trying to get everybody else. And we're not like connecting with our own children. And I'm going to just tell you, it's the easiest thing to do is to be lazy. To be lazy and to like take days off when it comes to parenting. But it's important, it's important, excuse me, to lean in and have relationships with our children. Can I get an amen in the room today? It's important, y'all. And we've gotten lazy and we've, we've, got, we've pulled back. And then when we're forced to homeschool our kids, like a bunch of us have been for the last couple months now, it's miserable because we don't know them. We don't know our children because we've been social distancing from our families for generations. And now it's much different because now our, our kids' iPhones and tablets and video games and TVs are raising them. And... and there's a mess that we have on our hands, and we get mad at the government, we get mad at schools, and we get mad at everybody else, but we have to take responsibility, and we got to stop social distancing at home. So, that's what today's about. So, I want you to see this. This is important. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, train up a child. Someone say in the room. There's only a handful of us, but we can do it loud so everybody can hear us. Say train. Train. Train up a child in the way he 
that he is not male, that he is just biblical in the way he or she should go. Even when he is old, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So can I help y'all with this? The Bible does not say raise. I said raise just a minute ago, but the Bible never, you look, the Bible never says our responsibilities to raise children. The Bible says over and over and over, we train children. Y'all, we raise corn. We train children. Train, train. The problem is I can't train something without putting work into it. Are you with me? I have, to, I have to know what I'm doing ahead of time in order to take you through a training regimen. And so that's part of the problem is we feel like I don't know how to do it. I wasn't taught it. No one showed me. So now this is difficult. It is difficult. You should think about that before you have kids. You're welcome for that. Here we go. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 12 says, verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful. I, I, it's not fun rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been, what's this word? Y'all say it? Trained. trained by it. The word discipline, or when it says train up a child, that word train up literally means discipline. It, it does not mean all these magic things. It does not be, be, excuse me, it does not mean to be mean. It does not mean to hit. It doesn't even mean to put in time out. It means to teach discipline. Now watch. In just a second, I'm going to teach you three quick things that I think we've gotten wrong when it comes to how we discipline our children. But one more verse before we do. This is the responsibility. This is actually for dads who lead the home. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but, but bring, them, bring them up or train them is literally what that means in the Greek in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so, I want to show you the three stages of parenting real quick, and then Lee and I are going to answer your questions, but this is what I need y'all to know. These are critical. I was taught this as a kid. This isn't new. I can't take credit for it. I think my parents did a good job modeling this, but if you get this wrong, I don't have verses with these, I'm telling you the whole time it's about discipline and it's about when should we relinquish and when should we say, ooh, maybe not yet, discipline. The Bible says, I think it's Proverbs 24, 13, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Well, a lot of people think that that means to hit with a rod, but that's just the sign of like a shepherd who knows his sheep well enough to say that sheep is going astray. I need to have that rod of discipline so that I can teach them to stay in line. Because, y'all, discipline, one of my favorite leadership books that I've ever read is Extreme Ownership. And it's, it's by Navy SEALs who, who, who wrote this book about their stories, and they now teach these, these disciplines. And one of my favorite sections of the book is discipline equals freedom. And that's like, that seems counterintuitive, right? Because it seems like freedom equals freedom and discipline equals not, not freedom. Like, my parents are making rules. I got a curfew. That's not freedom. But it's understanding that it, if, if I'm driving on a cliff and there's not guardrails and I, and I fall off, even though I had the freedom to drive where I wanted to, how many of y'all know that's not good? Right. right? Falling off a cliff is not good. So I need y'all to get this before I start. As I mature as a man or as a woman, because there's ladies around me, as I mature as an adult, I begin to develop disciplines or guardrails in my life that are unseen. 
But with my eight-year-old boy, those guardrails look different because he has not developed character and discipline internally. And so I'm not going to hand him the keys to my car and say, you know what, son, go get us some food. Why? He's not ready. He's not ready for it. I haven't trained him up. He's not matured enough. He's not gone through life enough. So if I give him that and say, you can figure it out on your own, it ain't going to go well. So a lot of times the problems with our kids are not our kids' fault. It's our fault for not training them well. So step one is command. Everybody say command. command. This is the part that a lot of us don't like because we do not like to be in charge or to be the bad parent. Are you with me? We don't like to be mean because everybody's thought is I want to be my child's buddy. Now, I call my kid buddy, like my little boy. And I call Laney, who's I can see you, but they can't see you. So, hey, I call Laney my sweet sissy. And, and she's we, we talk about friendships, but I need y'all to hear me very carefully at home. I'm not mad at you. I love you. But I need you to take this from your pastor today in understanding it is not your job in your kid's childhood. I would say the ages here are birth to, depending on your child's maturity level, they dictate how mature they are, and you then dictate, is it time to move? So if they take the training, you can understand it's time to move. But until they're mature, some of them is 18. Some people get more mature quicker, and it would probably be more like 16 or 15. But until then, my job is command. Here's what that means. It's not my job to be my kids' friends at this age. I certainly love to have fun. I play this thing called Monster, and I chase them, and I do this crazy voice, and I chase after them, and we have a great time, and I love to cut up with my kids. I love to sit at the table, which, by the way, I think it's important. Can I say this? I think it's important to sit at the table and turn off your phones and talk as a family. And we'll probably talk about that during the Q&A. But if you don't talk as a family, if you don't share dreams, if you don't ask questions, then that's part of the problem is lack of communication. But during this age, my job is not to be my kid's friend. If you're concerned that you'll hurt their feelings, you're doing it wrong. You should hurt their feelings sometimes. And you should hurt their buns sometimes if they need it, if you know what I'm talking about. And I don't really have to spank my kids anymore. And some of you, you have a conviction in your heart not to spank, and I think that's fine. I don't think that's what that verse exactly intended anyway. You have to learn at this age what, what changes their behavior and what alters their understanding. And if timeout works, that's great. I think you should do it. But I think you have to discipline yourself before you can discipline others and know how to show what this looks like. I think the problem is we're so concerned with having people like us that we end up wanting our 10-year-olds to like us. Y'all, I want my 30-year-old to like me so as a 10-year-old I'll teach them the ways and train them up. That should be getting some hearts on social media. Click, 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 click. If you're watching. Can I just stop here just for a second and say... A lot of us that are dealing with trouble with adult children, it's because you got this part wrong. You got the command part wrong. You got the time that you can train them and show them and teach them because I don't want to create a culture with you. Hey, I don't want to create a culture that's do as I say, not do as I do. Understanding that as I live my life, my offspring will reproduce what I am. 
So I hope that my words in teaching only back up the way that I want them to respect their mother who's my wife. Because if I tell them you respect her, but I'm not respecting her, it's not going to happen. So that means I lack discipline and I need to go back to the drawing board. So as I'm teaching and training up, understanding that everything should be thought through, that I shouldn't waste words, that I shouldn't go through motions, that I should think this is the developmental stage of my children. And this is the time, by the way, that God has called me to steward them because they are not mine. They are his. And one day they will move out. And so step one is command. Then part two is counsel. I act as a counselor, which, which means this. I don't let my kids make a lot of decisions when they're little. But as they grow up to adolescence, I begin to say, I'm going to let you go on a date. I'm going to let you go choose whether or not you'll do this. But remember, at this age, remember who you represent. Jesus first, and then you're a pangle. And I remember this growing up like very, very well that my parents would say to me, you represent Jesus and you represent your name. And I'm going to do the same thing because I want them to know that you don't have absolute freedom. Matter of fact, I'm still going to draw you guardrails. So at this age, we set curfews, right? Why do we set curfews? Do I think that if I don't set a 10 o'clock curfew for Lainey in a few years when she's old enough to date, that she would do something dumb? I don't know. I did. Come on, Jesus. Are you with me? I'm, I want them to learn by the time they get to college and by the time they become young adults and they begin to make their own decisions why things are right and wrong. But if I don't do this, then I'm going to get mad and on the back end, I'm going to try to go fix it. Watch this. You can't fix it when they're adults. It's too late. Can I tell you all something? Do you know why there's prisons? It's because people didn't learn how to operate with parameters or guardrails in here, so we had to build walls so they could operate as adults because they chose to break the law without being able to live it with character. This is the, they're not still kids anymore, they're getting older, and I'm going to teach them, but I'm also going to give them some freedom along the way to let them begin to learn. And, and there's a lot of, of mistakes that are made during this time. But you make mistakes and I make mistakes. Perfection is not the goal. Character, training up, showing the way of Jesus, that is the goal. Because then it leads to concern. And by this age when they're adults, I no longer get to dictate what my kids' lives are like. But the beautiful thing is they're adults at this time and I get to be friends with them. This is the age that you should be or should have the opportunity to be, let me say, friends with your children. But if you don't do this part right, you won't get to enjoy this part. Concern, let me explain, is you don't overstep. You no longer come in and tell them what they should and should not be doing. Let me say this at home, parents with grown adults. If you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. I love you, but you need to take this if your grandparents out there with the love of the Lord. If you're telling your kids how to raise their kids and you didn't train them, stop telling them to raise them when you didn't train them. Because it's not your job to go back and try to fix what you didn't train right the first time. So you can show them, and then here's what I believe concern is. Pray for them. And I, I think you can still be a counselor because my parents are. When I ask, they don't overstep. My dad might even send me a text and say, hey, are you sure this is the right decision? I don't think at all that's overstepping. 
I think coming to my house every day saying, I don't like this, clean this up, do this. <laughs> Pops doesn't do that, praise the Lord. My mom doesn't do that, praise the Lord. But if they began to do that, that would be overstepping. And a lot of times parents have to do that because they didn't do that on the front end. So y'all listen, this is the simple. If I discipline and train, if I communicate with my family, we have practices that seem really silly that if some of y'all watched it, you'd think, really? Like, that's not that big of a deal. They, they sit around the table and they, they talk about their highs and lows. But it communicates and we talk and we go places. And I don't like to spend money on things. I like to spend money on experiences. And so we remember experiences, we throw away things. And so there's just certain things that I, you don't have to do what I do, but you have to make a plan. You have to make a vision for your family, and you have to stick to it and say, we're going to eat at the table at least two, three, four nights a week. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to make goals and outcomes, and we're going to in the time that our kids can be developed or trained up. We're going to do everything that we can so that when they're older, they will not depart is what the Bible says. They will come back. They will, they will be wild at times. They will be human at times, which means all the times. But I can trust the fact that if we operate filled with the Holy Spirit, living our lives to show them the way and then training them, not letting them get by with everything. So let me give you a specific example and then I'll sit down. Right now, Haston's struggling with lying. It's driving us crazy. We're frustrated. So if we're going to get him to this stage and then get him to this stage where we're not still at 30 years old trying to go back and command, then I have to be resolute. It's not okay, and we've made that a precedent. So earlier this week, I had to discipline Haston fairly severely in my book. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't want for it to happen. But I want for him to know that it's serious and that it's never okay to lie. And the more consistent, listen to me, because that'd be the other C, is the more consistent we are, the more I can trust the fact that they'll do what God has put on them to do because they're not ultimately my responsibility when they're adults. I know that God watches over them, protects them, and that they will live a life worthy of their calling in Christ Jesus as long as I train them in the days that belong to me. And so a lot of times what we get wrong is, oops, I messed up. So don't try to go fix it. Just model your life constantly in what Jesus has called you to do, and they won't stray from it. They may go crazy and have moments of being strayed away, but they will return. They will return, and you can trust it. So command, counsel, and then concern. And if you do it right, you can have great friendships with your families. But the goal of all of this, as I sit down, the goal of all of this is that we can have, let me, oh, I'm doing it the wrong way. There, we can have social distancing behind me. Might be better to have that. The goal of all of this is that we can have great relationships with our kids and enjoy it and then enjoy our grandkids and enjoy life. And that has to be through communication. Like I think, I think, if you don't communicate with your kids constantly and your spouse constantly, even if you only get them every other weekend, communicate with them. 
Like constantly communicate, text, keep up with them, care about them, go to their stuff, be engaged. From the time that you get to be engaged with their lives, stay engaged. Even if you're watching Netflix together, be engaged with them. Don't turn off your attention because you'll get to the time that you should be doing concern and you'll try to turn the attention on and it's too late and it doesn't work. So we want to do some Q&A now for the last few minutes and I want you to answer some questions because you're an amazing mom. So I want everyone to get to hear it. So, Miss Jenny. Uh, I just, first of all, want to say that by no means are we perfect. Um, I just know that through wisdom, um, and it says in James that if you lack wisdom, you should ask God. And so for those of you that are seeking and yearning and hungry and desiring to be better parents, better husbands, better wives, you know, whatever that looks like, just asking God for wisdom. Um, that's how it's going to come. And also the consistency. I think consistency is really important. I know it is in my life um, that it challenges me to be consistent in my parenting. It challenges me to be consistent in my personal life. I'm just challenged of the consistency. And sometimes I'm convicted of that and being challenged in my consistency because I want to be the one that's, you know, um, I want to be disciplined, but also want to be uh, kind in that as well. So I think some of the problems that we tend to see are um, maybe my parents or my past doesn't look like a great parent, and I did not see that modeled in my home, and so therefore I don't know how to do it. And so a lot of times ignorance comes in, um, and then I think a lot of times is, and I don't know why it can be a fear that we may not want to engage because we may not know what to do, or we may not, we've, I guess we forget about what childhood was like for us. or may not want to go back to that time. Um, and so therefore we just kind of push it and let them go to their own devices um, and let them learn from somebody else because we feel like they can do a better job than we could. And we put ourselves in this, in this, I guess, tier of, I'm just, I'm just not a great parent, so I'm just going to let somebody else do it. They'll end off way better than if somebody else did it than me. Um, so I think like just a lot of things, your past, not knowing, um, just inconsistencies, uh, and then also just really your self-esteem. But I think the most important thing is just the, the lack of wisdom just from God that we can ask for and he will freely give it to us. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's really a great answer. I, I would. The only thing that I would add is, um, I think passive aggressive nature, meaning one or both parents sometimes end up not wanting to follow through and wait for the other one to get home, whether the wife in your home or the husband in your home, the dad or the mom, um, is more of a disciplinarian the dad ends up being more of a buddy and the mom ends up having to be the bad guy. And, um, I would say just a lack of consistency. Um, and then I think you hit the nail on the head, like what we bring to the table. Oftentimes, even if you have two great parents growing up, two great parents growing up, they're still different. And so you bring 
you bring your parents and I bring my parents to the table and then it's this this mix of a bunch and then if I think because there's not a plan on the front end if that makes sense because if, if if we start with a plan and 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 then stick to it to execute what we want to get done we have a lot better chance of doing it no matter what the situation is so this is this is a lot broader than parenting of course but I think that's part of the problem is we we have we like the idea of being good parents. We don't like the idea of putting the work in that it takes to discipline us in order to do what we want to do. And so we just say, we just go back to what's easy, and then we end up with a mess, and we go, oops, how did this happen? And it happens because you created a culture at home that wasn't a great culture because you just oopsed the culture instead of, no, this is what the Pangles are. This is what we're going to be. And you're exactly right. We're very, 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 very far from perfect. Um, it's consistent for me to have to apologize to you and the kids every week. But I want them. I also want them to see that that's something that we consistently do. If we screw up, we own it. We talk about it. So. Yes, Lord. I certainly will. So I, what's the new movie on Netflix? The Willoughby's is the new movie on Netflix that's funny because the parents make it all about the, you know, the husband and wife and they forget the kids and the kids are nothing. So I certainly don't think the pendulum should swing to there. But the majority of people, like the center point or the axis point of their home are the children. And here's the problem with that is, one, I'm modeling for my kids, if that's the case, that you don't matter. And I'm just telling y'all at home, my kids know that this is number one in the home as far as priority levels for me goes. Now, I love my two kids, and I would die for them today. But they're going to get married someday, most likely. And if they do, I want them to see that this is who I've left and clung to. Like this, this is my person that I intend to be with until death does us part. And so, like, I think if you prioritize your kids above your relationship with your spouse, you've created the issue or the dichotomy going forward that your kids will repeat that process. And that is not a good process to have. And so um, I want them to know how important their mama is to me. That's my wife, and she's awesome, and I love her, and... Like, and we discuss it with them, like constantly with my kids. We discuss that, like, we love y'all, but we're going to have date nights. We're going to spend time together. We want you to know that we want to spend time with each other, not just with the four of us, but sometimes with just the two of us. And we love each other, and I feel like that's something that we have to model. So my kids are not the most important thing having said that I do think it's important to support their dreams and and like encourage them and not tell them you can't do it and if you're doing that I I wish you would stop like immediately don't tell them what they can't do remind them of what they can do remind them of in Jesus what they can be but that doesn't mean that I have to drop everything that we have dreamed to do in order to make their dream happen I should support them give them every opportunity but not do it in to hurt her in the process or to hurt us, more importantly, in the process. And so I want to go to both of their ball games, events, plays, and be at everything. 
but balance that with she's still my number one priority in my home. I just would say, uh, just for an example, um, Lainey was in dance, and for a while she just didn't, wasn't interested in it, and I love dance, and I regretted the fact that I had stopped in sixth grade, and I didn't, I didn't, you know, continue it, and it became a regret of mine, and I realized, because I was pushing her toward that again, like, oh, please don't, you'll, you'll regret it so much. I was like, no, I'm regretting it, and I'm putting that on her. And if she doesn't want to do it, I need to, I need to. of course, I could give her advice. I could give her my story, but I should never put it on her of this is what you're going to feel if you don't do this. Open up the opportunity and allow them to walk through it, and if they don't like it, then they don't like it. If it's not for them, it's not for them. If the desire comes back, then, of course, help them through that decision. But I really had to check my heart of am I – wanting her to do this because I didn't do it or is I'm, I'm really encouraging her to do this or to keep it something that she's interested in that's so good because I think living vicariously through your children is the worst thing you can do for your children like you bury them and they're not you let them be them like I don't I, I was a basketball guy and I love it if my kids want to play ball that's cool if not I don't care and if they do I don't want to treat them like they should be you know the best basketball player ever, I want them to do their very best. And I think that's one thing we struggle with with a consistency thing is, um, for example, if we tell our kids, I care, and we talk about this all the time, I care that you do your best. Well, if Lainey brings home all A's and a B, and I punish her, or I call it discipline, but it's actually punishing her for making a B, but she did her best, then I didn't really want to create a culture of doing your best. I wanted to create a culture of you better make all A's or you're in trouble. And so that, that consistency of I want you to do your best, well, do you or do you want all A's? Like I think that's important. So you got to know you in order to make that happen and don't live vicariously through your kids. That was really the next question comes from Facebook. If you found out your teenager was having inappropriate conversations on their Instagram private messenger, how would you punish them? We shut down their profile. They can't have it again for a year. Is this too long? We want to protect our kids, but we didn't grow up in the social media world, and I know this is their world. Do you want me to answer or do you want to? I'll start. Uh, no, it's not too long. Um, we've not faced this yet. Uh, and maybe we never will, but I wouldn't let them have it at all. Yeah, we had, we actually, um, without going into too much detail, we realized, Lainey's in the room with us, but we realized something was going on with her YouTube page that we had put filters on, but we, she was seeing more than she should be. We took it, like, we just got rid of it. It was gone. And I think, was it a year? It was a long time. And so she she now has a personal YouTube page that she makes YouTubes, but uh, that was quite a while ago, and she's still not on it, so uh, maybe a year, whatever. I would just say, um, honestly, I would say pray about it and be consistent in praying about, like, the Holy Spirit will lead you a lot better than we could uh, for your personal family, for your situation. But every situation like that should be different and unique to that situation. And so um, if it's, I want my kids to be on social media if they want to be, but only if it's healthy and good for them as they live in my home. And so I'm just going to let y'all know right now, and you can think we're crazy if we want to, we will look at every thing 
and I'm looking at my daughter while I'm looking at y'all. I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about messages and text messages and everything. Because as long as I'm paying for it, I'm looking at it. Come on, Jesus. And I know people are like, that's my room and that's my space. No, 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 no. That's my room. I pay for that room. You don't lock doors at my house. Is that right, Lanny? Say amen. Like, yes, Jesus. It ain't private. Come on. So to answer the question, like, I just think don't feel bad about being disciplined. And here's the deal. They're probably in the, in the council age, but sometimes we make bad decisions in adolescence that we have to get moved back to command. It's a lot better now than it is later when they don't create guardrails themselves and they end up in a ditch or they end up messed up or they end up doing things that they wish they hadn't. So if we model consistency, even though they might hate your guts for a while and go, he's not nice, she's not nice. It ain't my job to be nice. I love you. But it's my job to love you and be consistent. And so I'm going to look no matter what. I'll probably still look when they're 30, but I just won't. I try not to tell them what to do and actually model the concern. I was just going to say, when we did go through that experience, I think it's really important to establish the why, and it's real easy to act in anger and to take those things away immediately. Um, I, when we went through that issue, I was so emotional that I allowed it to, to really get into me, that I allowed it into my home, um, but I really wanted to establish the why, and I got emotional in front of her. I wanted her to know this is not what God desires for you. He does not desire for you to see those things. He does not desire for you to have those things in your mind. He doesn't want those things coming out. And I think it's so important to establish the why. Why do you want them to do that? Why do you not want them to engage in the inappropriate behavior? Why do you not want them on that site or in that Facebook chat or whatever, uh, TikTok? Oh, good grief. Don't even get me started on that. Why do you not want them in that? Um, And I think it's important. I mean, you can engage with them with that in front of you together. There's healthy boundaries, but I think it's okay to say to yourself, I'm disciplining my child and it's okay. And it's okay to establish the why. And it's okay to be emotional about it, to know this is serious. And it means a lot to me and definitely means a lot to the Lord. That's good. All right, would you speak to families whose current reality does not match what they expected? Um, for example, if a child has special needs or if they're now in a blended family where the, the vision they had is just not their reality, um, how do they deal with that? Okay, I'll go. I'll start. So, um, so we have a special needs boy, um, and that's certainly not what I expected um, as a young man who was going to have kids and was excited and thought that I would have a ball player kid, you know, whatever athlete, uh, we certainly didn't expect to have a special needs child, but I wouldn't trade our special needs child for the whole world because he's, he brings us so much joy and it's amazing. Um, so you just face it. It's the best way I can describe it is you just face it and say, we had in our minds this idea of what it would look like. But can I tell y'all something? Every, every parent in here would say this is true. It's never exactly what you thought it would look like. And so you just learned to say, I didn't think I would have a blended family. 
I thought my family would always be what it looks like, but God didn't intend for that to happen based on the circumstances of my life. And so we just go with it and we just make the best of it. And we just, we understand that what, what man intends for evil, God intends for good. And that he's not surprised by any of these circumstances, by any of the special needs, by any of my kids losing their minds and acting foolish by the teenage pregnancy that took place in your home. He's not surprised with it. So what do you do? Do you kick the daughter out or do you kick the son out? No, like, please don't do that. I I think that, that you wish you had done things possibly at sometimes and sometimes you feel like you did everything right. And that still happened. Listen, it's called being human. But the best thing to do at that point is say, we can't fix this. So I'm not going to go back and try to fix this. A thing that I could control or couldn't control, because sometimes it's either or. But the thing that I can do is say, okay, God, this is the cards we've been dealt. So now we will model consistency and trust that you are working in this. And that this is going to work for our good and your glory. It may not look good. It may not be good today. But it's going to work for our good and your glory. And so we'll just, we'll just... We'll just go with what we've got and trust the fact that the more we trust you and are consistent and walk in you and speak life and do all the things that we know to do, it's going to turn out far greater than it could have if we had gotten our way because he's greater than our way. You you don't want to add? There's two things. Um, I think the the same thing as what I said before is if um, it doesn't look like what you wanted it to look like or what you thought it was going to look like, then don't set uh, unrealistic expectations on the Mm -hmm. things that you're expecting them to do and they can't do. Maybe they've been taught to do or maybe they've never been given. I think it it comes back to kind of self-awareness, back to you because you're the only one that can fix you, can't fix them. Um, and also, if you lack wisdom, then ask God. Ask God for wisdom and how to operate in that. Because it's tough. It's not one time we say this and, oh, yeah, my kids are great. My family's awesome. Thanks for all the wisdom. And uh, we're going to go. And tomorrow it's going to be amazing. No, the second you get off this video or even right now, the kids are running around or doing whatever. Or you're in just a place of your child is far from the Lord and you're heartbroken It's not going to look like what you want it to look like sometimes, but God is good, and if it's not good, then he's not done. So just keep believing that. Keep declaring that over your life and over your children, and he will make it good, I promise. And you'll see so much fruit from that if you just stay consistent and ask for wisdom. How would you begin to engage with your children if you have been social distanced from them? That's great. Um, Baby steps. So... Don't try to fix it all in one swoop because kids are smart, right? I mean, like, um, I think that's what we do wrong a lot in marriage. I think that's what we do wrong in friendships. I think that's what we do wrong in, like, our personal finances. I think it's what we do wrong in every area of our lives is we just, we look at a problem and we go, I'm going to fix all of that today. You're not going to fix all of that today. So let's make a plan. And so if you've social distance from your kids, meaning... Y'all don't communicate is what I mean by that. There's no social connectivity at home where we've looked at each other and we say, you're my person, you're my person. We birthed you or we married you. And so that was me and you. So um, so we don't communicate or we don't communicate with our kids. And so what do we do to start? We start by just simple stuff. Try one conversation. 
here's the thing. Take a walk in your neighborhood. As you're locked at home for a few more weeks, because I know they're opening things back up and we got parks open and things like that, take a walk. Talk to them. Ask them what their favorite freaking color is. Like, that's not, well, that's dumb, Mark. Like, that's not, do you know? If you don't know, ask them. Like, make this the game. If I don't know something about you, I'm going to ask. And if you're my child, I feel like I have the right to know. And by the way, my kids have the right to ask anything. They might not have the right to know. Come on, Jesus. But they got the right to ask. And I, I will tell them almost anything. We're open. And I'm not going to lie to them. I'm just going to say right now it's not a good time for you to know that. But just start with something so small. And I want to say this, Jenny, while we're on the subject is <clears throat> I've had this question a lot recently from friends and from people that, have been in the office um, in the last couple months, it's like, I feel bad because I don't do devotions with my family, right? Here's the thing with our family, is I would rather my kids know I'm doing devotions than force my kids to do devotions with me. Because I think that sets them up for, I hate this, because I see you acting a different way than these devotions do. So, let them know you do it. Let them know one thing that God showed you in your time with Jesus. And, and encourage them, hey, get on the Bible app. Get on version and, and do a plan. Like, talk to, your, talk to Katie or talk to Joe and, and, and ask them maybe a plan they should do. And engage with Katie, our kids director, and Joe, our youth pastor, that, that like, questions that, that you can ask. Like, I've got a teenager. I don't know what to do. And, and begin to have conversations. Don't begin with the end. In, like, begin with the end in mind, but don't begin with the end today. Like, you're not going to fix it all. So don't. Just begin to walk in consistency, and then you'll be amazed what God does through your consistency and through making an effort to say, we're going to talk. Every day, we're going we're gonna to talk. We're not going to fix everything today. We're going to talk. If your marriage stinks in communication, you're not going to be great communicators next week. But you can begin communicating this week and be better communicators next week. And that's the goal. All right, next question. How do you prevent yourself from believing that your child's behavior is always a reflection of your parenting? <laughs> Thanks for giving me the mic. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, I, think, I don't know if I'm answering it correctly, but um, I think... Our children tend to get a lot of what, I mean, they always will, get a lot of what is really who we are and not really what we say. And so I have to be, I have to be really careful. I can identify myself with one of my children and then not so much with another one. Um, and I have to be really careful to um, not let my anger and frustration of myself come off on my child. And so I'll just say it. I, Haste and I can relate. We're very, meh, whatever. Plus, life is awesome, you know. And kind of can get very lackadaisical in things. We say our, our spirit animal is the sloth. Maybe not in doing things, but just in life in general. We're very laid back type of people. Lainey and I, no. She's the go-getter, the motivator. She's super self-motivated, super organized. And she brings out a lot of great things in me. Um, but I have to be really careful because the things that I might be frustrated in with Haston can come off 
in frustration because it's something that I have to work on within me. And so it, it kind of can be something that is a direct reflection of your parenting. But I just think that it comes with don't let it be something that is that you're hard on yourself about. Use it as a teaching moment and say, I really can get better in this. I can show him a better way of not being so ugh, lackadaisical. And I might say his name 15 million times and get frustrated no, I don't need to do that. I need to do what works best for him. I need to get down in his face. I need to look him in the eye, and I need to tell him what I want him to do and be intentional about it. Um, so I do think it brings out a lot, but I don't think you have to be hard on yourself about it, and I think it's a great teaching moment for you to improve. And I think the bottom line is remind yourself that you're training up little humans, and little humans make mistakes. And you can be the most consistent, amazing parent in the world that we're not. And because, you know, we make a lot of mistakes, but you can be the best one and you'll still have a kid that makes mistakes. And so if you can just remind yourself, like I wasn't responsible for my kid to be perfect, but just to train them in the way that the Lord asked me to train them. So when they make mistakes, let it be a teaching moment. Failure is only the end if you let it be. Failure should be a great teaching moment. I learn more from my mistakes than I do from my wins. And so just let it be a teaching moment. And as long as I'm coaching and teaching in those failures, we're winning. We're, get, we're getting better. And if I, if I make them feel shamed, well, then I've let it define us. And that's how I parent. And so just know that they're going to screw up no matter how good you do and feel that freedom. Uh, but don't ever let that be the end end goal and the end outcome. Just let it be something that you grow from as a family. So. Um, Got one more. One more question. Okay, let's pick a good one. It's going to be a doozy. I know we've touched on this briefly, but if you did not have a good model of parenting and you currently feel like you are failing, what's the one step you would give people to take today? That's a great question. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that is you ask if you didn't have a good model. Parenting is one thing in the Bible that there's really bad models. Like there's so many examples. We could teach a message right now on so many parents that screwed it up and had it bad. Um, and so no parents are perfect was the point of that. The one thing that I would do today is tell your kids you love them. Like, I just hear all the time, and it just breaks my heart how, like, parents don't tell their kids how much they love them and then show them how much they love them. And I hope that you'll begin that as a regiment every day of just open lines of communication. Here's the deal. If your kid screwed up really bad, you would want them to tell you. As bad as it would break your heart, you would want them to tell you. I, listen to me. They're not going to tell you if they don't feel like they can tell you. So begin honest conversations. Begin letting them ask you hard questions. Begin, and that has to start with just open communication at your dinner table or like in your room, in your, in your living room like this, where you just turn off the TV and you just say, hey, let's talk. And they might slash down and go, oh, this is the worst but it's got to start somewhere. And if they know this isn't an intervention, but this is like, we're not trying to fix you. We just want to talk. Let's go on a walk. Let's go to the park. Let's spend time together. Let's love each other. 
So just start with a way that you can begin to build communication into them because I'm telling you, they'll take it into their homes one day if you'll start now. And so I would just say, just begin that and let them know when they screw up. It's not the end of the world and that Jesus paid for it. Like as bad as it is today, as bad as what you've got to face because all of us have to face consequences, Jesus paid the price of that sin and that's not the end of you. My scars define me. Like they tell a story and I love it. But I'm not, but I'm not like, I'm not these scars that I am. I, I get to tell a story behind them. But now, but now I get to walk in freedom and full healing of what injuries I've had. And so when I have internal injuries, it's not the end. I can tell stories, but I now get to live and know that God used those things. And so just constantly remind them that it's not the end, that God is going to use all of those things. And I'm thankful for that. You got anything? I was excited when you asked the question because it was something that I heard and I wanted to share it. Uh, it's just a one-liner, but the things that of the past that you feel like are maybe generational, um, I think self-awareness comes into that a lot, of just realizing what that is and what you want to work on the most. But um, I just thought this was so good, is that no generational sin is a match for the God of all generations. I just want to throw this mic and whatever you say, it comes back to you like the boomerang because that is so true that generational sin is there and it, it does happen, but it can't trump the God of all generations and how he can fix those things and make all things new. You about got me preaching about generational sins now, but I'm going to close because we have, Lord willing, lots of Sundays together. Um, for years, but I will say this. I just happened to have a couple conversations this week with people about generational sins and how they'll cripple us. And so I'll say this. If you can look back in your family and you can see a history of certain behaviors that are repeated, if your family has struggled with alcoholism for generation after generation, you can be the one that breaks it for your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. And the way that that happens is not to tell them not to do it, but for you to be the one that leads the way in doing it and then tell them what it was, but always tell them what it's going to be in Jesus. And so we're breaking generational curses. And I think every single one of you have the power to do that in Christ. I don't think you have the power in Mark or in you, but in Christ, I have the power to break the iniquities is what the Bible calls that, what I'm bent to because my father and his father and his father or mother or whichever side it's on struggled in these certain areas. Well, sometimes I sin by choice and sometimes I sin by my nature, but I can break those things so that my children and their children and their children still are sinners, but may not have to struggle with that thing that's hanging off their, on their back. And so that's one of the greatest gifts we can give our families is just to say, it's going to stop. The line's going to stop here because I won't repeat the patterns of sin that entangled my family in, for generations in the past. And understand it's a spiritual battle. It's not just a mental thing that I can get to, but I, I have to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit every single day and say, you're in charge. I can't just set a goal. I have to trust you and walk with you every single day. And so here's what we want to do is we just, we want to close with a little more worship, but 
I just want to speak a blessing over you right now. I just want to speak the fact that um, I love the new song, The Blessing, and so excited that we're singing it. And I want you to know the context of it before we sing it. I want this song that we close with to be a blessing over your family because I do believe what the Bible says that your children's children and a thousand generations can be blessed. And so in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26, Aaron, who was the priest, he, he declared this blessing that the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you. And, and, and I believe that's for you and for your children and for their children. And so just, just walk in the understanding that God wants to rule your home and rule your life. And so as we come and sing in just a minute, here's one area that I want to challenge you with. And then I just want y'all to just worship with us. You'll probably hear me singing because this is one of my favorite songs right now. But I want to talk to you about finances. I don't know why, y'all, but the Lord has so challenged me lately um, personally when it comes to the area of stewardship. So this isn't just tithing. Tithing is a small part of stewardship. Stewardship is anything that touches my hands, what do I do with it? And I guess the reason that I feel challenged by it just from a, from a personal perspective is they'll repeat the patterns that I, just like we talked about, they're going to repeat these patterns. So if I frivolously spend, if I have a gambling addiction, if I have all these different things, and if I just, if I just take God's money and, and I don't realize that he's the owner, but he's let me be responsible for most of it then I just waste it and I, and I, and I use it and I, and I, and I spend it. And, and there's nothing wrong with having things. There's something wrong with things having you. And so this is what I want you to know. The only place that God tells me to return something to him is the tithe. So it's, I don't give a tithe. I return the first to him. Well, I want God to see me, or excuse me, I want my kids, excuse me, to see me return what belongs to God and begin to be able to be generous. So why do I constantly tell y'all week after week, tithe, 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 and you're like, all he talks about is money. And I know some of you that are watching right now, you think all that pastors care about is money. Listen to me. If you never give a dollar to this church, I love you, and I won't even know. We don't want your money. We don't want your money to have you. We want something from you. Excuse me. We want something for you, not from you. Because if you decide I'm not going to give, give to your church. But just know, if God's asked me to return this to him, he's allowed me to keep the other 90. And he's allowed me to say, I'm going to steward this in a way that, that will show my children and their children and their children the way. And so the reason that we ask you to do this is not so we can pay the light bill. Y'all, we're paying the light bill just fine. It's because if we operate in obedience, God promised in Malachi to fill our barns, to fill our vats. He's, it's the only time in the Bible he said, test me. And I'm just telling you, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. We will do what God's called us to do. And I'm telling you right now, it's not an option at my home. I will return what belongs to him, and then I will give when he says give. So that's why I say every week, just ask the Lord. And when it comes to parenting, I don't think there's a way that we can be more like Jesus until we give, but I don't think we can begin to give until we operate in obedience and return what belongs to him. So I'm just asking you today, you can do it through simply through texting 864-606-3600, the word give, or there's simple and easy and safe ways to give on our website and online. So if you'll do that, just, just return what belongs to him, but that is such a great way to begin 
to steward parenting. And now, I just want y'all to let this song resonate in your home, the blessing. So, Lord, we thank you that we're blessed from generation to generation to generation. We thank you that you've called us not to be a children, not to be a people that lack, that struggle. God, there'll be extreme difficulties. But the blessing is not things. The blessing is your hand extended to us to give us what we need to accomplish your purpose in Christ Jesus. And God, I believe and just speak blessing over our homes today, over this room today, over every single person that's listening today, that God, you intend to bless us and not harm us. You intend that we have exactly what we need. You promised us that we'll have exactly what we need. And so God, we just declared in Jesus' name that we are a people that are blessed. We're the head and not the tail. We're the lender, not the borrower. And it's because we will do exactly what you say and know that the stuff doesn't get us because it's not about stuff. It's about Jesus. And it's about the world knowing that you're the way. And so Jesus be glorified and strengthened in everything and everything that we say and sing. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.